Welcome to My Orgasmic Life Podcast, a show that where we talk about sex, love, relationships, and kink. And of course, my favorite part, I share with you my very graphic, very juicy, and always entertaining orgasmic life. I'm Gaia Morissette, your hostess, and your holistic sexual wellness specialist, your trauma healer, your BDSM expert, and of course, your pro dominatrix. Mm. <laughs> the show was inspired to inspire you to support your orgasmic living. Remember, always check the content warning before you listen and make sure you're listening where no one else can hear it because you never, ever know what I'm going to say because I always come with an explicit graphic content warning. <laughs> now, strap in and enjoy the show. Hello, my wonderful, sexy, amazing, kinky, curious, and fantastic audience. Okay, so welcome to another fabulous episode of My Orgasmic Life. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do some healing conversations. We're going to talk about, you know, the importance of, you know, our mental well-being and our mental health and how, you know, ultimately, if I didn't do all that work within myself and within, within the world, I couldn't be the beautiful, sexy, uh, ethically horny slut orgasmic <laughs> goddess that I am. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about, today we're going to talk about, what are we talking about? Oh, how our identities are interfering in our freedom of truly becoming who we are. That's the conversation we're having today. So, you know, the topic today is death of identity, how it creates freedom within your life. So as always, you know, my orgasmic life is based on, well, my orgasmic life. And I was inspired this morning. So this morning, this is why we're having this conversation. So this morning I was doing my meditation. And part of my meditation um, is about doing some energetic healing work on my body. And, you know, if you, this, you know, last year I was quite sick. So, you know, we've ta I've talked all about that. If you're curious on what, you know, I've done updates and what's gone down and all those things. And I'm, I'm on the mend, which is exciting. I'm getting back to my feisty, horny, uh, mischievous, Watch out world self, <laughs> which is fantastic. But in order to do the things that I need to do, I need, there's like, there's lots of pro, uh, health protocols that I have to work on and, um, you know, working on my body and my digestion and working out and my eating. And it's a, it's a big, it's my, my life is consumed by a couple of things, um, healing my body and sex. <laughs> And the more I heal my body, the more sex I can have. So, you know, and the more sex I have, the happier I am, the healthier I am. So it's like, it's this beautiful relationship that I got going on um, within myself. So this morning I was doing my 
uh, morning meditation, which is part of helping my body digest and, you know, be zen and content and, you know, create the right biochemicals in my body so that, you know, um, my body's not in fight or flight or freeze stage. And, and as I'm like doing this deep healing, um, deep meditation work, um, I am given some beautiful insight. And so I wanted to share the insight into and which was inspired this conversation about identity. So what I've learned, what I learned this morning anyways, you know, with, you know, having a deep philosophical conversation with my body and universe and, you know, the joys of meditation and being completely Zen and was that I'm really attached to being sick, the identity of being sick is a part of my identity it's not why why would i why would i be attached to that so as i've been doing all this healing and all this work you know i was like okay let's like all right i'm gonna look at this let's lean in let's lean into this 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 piece of well what's the payoff so my identity that's attached to being sick there's a that means a lot of other things it's like secondary meaning Okay, so what are the secondary meanings as I ask myself? What are the secondary meanings? Okay, well, if my body's always in the state of sickness and distress and disease, um, what that does is there's a couple things. One, I can't be sexually liberated and free as I want to. And you're like, what? You're not as sexually liberated? No, I'm not as sexually liberated and free as I want to. Um, I'm not as as slutty, ethically slutty as I really, truly desire to be. I'm limited, not psychologically or emotionally anymore, but I'm limited by what my physical body can handle, how much, how long I can, you know, suck cock or how long I can have, you know, um, you know, beating people, <laughs> how endurance and how much my body can handle and how many orgasms I can have. This is limited by my body. And so I was like, well, why would I, why, why, why would I want to still be sick? Like, why would I, why would the identity of being sick be, why would I be so attached to this identity? So this was a beautiful insight that, um, you know, I wasn't aware of. Is because even though I'm very vocal and more vocal than the average person around sexuality, um, if there's a part, you know, part of me was afraid that if I am not sick, then there's no limitations on me, which means I can get into all sorts of sexual uh, adventures. And that might get me put myself into danger, unsafety, um, get myself in trouble, uh, rejected from society. There's all these pieces around um the this, these belief systems now these belief systems which is attached to my identity of being sick that keeps me in this space was created a long time ago right when um you know give you a little backstory when i was young and i was a teenager um i wasn't ethical in my sexuality um, I didn't, no one taught to you about how to express your sexuality in a safe, consensual, ethical way. Um, 
you, you know, basically as a young girl growing up, um, I was just, you were just, you weren't even talked, it wasn't even okay for you to be sexual, never mind ethically sexual freedom. Like, there's just like, it was like a hell no. You should do it when you're married. <laughs> and that's only for procreation. So I was raised Catholic. Can you imagine me as a Catholic girl? <laughs> I definitely supported the stereotypes. <laughs> the naughty Catholic girl. So I was raised Catholic. I was, you know, I I was born in 1974. So um, I was born in the era where it was, you know, not okay for you to be sexually liberated. And I was born in a time, at a time where, um, you know, you weren't even allowed to date. You basically liked somebody and you were steady with them. So monogamy was like a real, like, like this hardcore push. Okay. So that's the framework in which I grew in. And so everything about being, you know, finding pleasure and having orgasms and masturbating and wanting to explore sexually and, and wanting to have more than one, you know, partner, um, being that I'm ethically, my nature is ethically non-monogamous. I'm not actually a monogamous being. That's not my true nature. Non-monogamy is my true nature. And so what that did was every form of sexual expression that I expressed as a teenager because of, you know, who I, who I truly am and what society said I was supposed to be got me into significant situations that uh, a one weren't ethical and B got me into major trouble and ruined relationships and cheating and lying. And just like all the things that were really ugly. And so what happened in that moment, as I was starting to express my sexuality into the world and my sexual being into the world got me into trouble. And so in, in that time, of course correcting and getting my shit together and all the things, I stopped being a sexual tsunami that caused harm in my wake. And what I did was I kind of, I suppressed my limitations of my sexual expression. Now, you might be like, I've listened to some of your podcasts. <laughs> you don't have any limits on your sexual expression, but I do. They're off, they're off my box. <laughs> is often bigger than others. Not my actual box. It's it's tight. I do lots of giggles. But my sexual box of what my comfort zone is, is often larger than others. But it's still, I'm still contained in a box. And my goal in life is to not have a box uh, of that I need to be contained at all, that I can just freely express myself. So let's come back to my my attachment to my identity, okay? So being sick <laughs> keeps me safe, which is why, I'm why I've am why i been attached to that identity because it prevents me from getting really wild um, and going outside of the box. And going outside of the box, why I, it was dangerous when I was younger. I didn't have the skills, the tools, the, you know, conversations, the relationships, like I didn't have any of that stuff. So yes, I got myself into a lot of trouble, but I don't move in the world that way anymore. So 
I got to do this beautiful. So I was like, okay, well then I, do I need that identity? Do I need the identity? Do I need to hold on to being sick to prevent me from being sexually liberated? No, I, it doesn't serve me anymore. I, it served me at one point, but it does not serve me anymore. So now I can take the, do the, go through the, the steps to release that. And so one of the steps that I use, one of the tools I use in my subconscious is, you know, using your sanctuary and your imagination, and your child work, and there's all these things. And if you're like, oh, I'm curious about what she's talking about. Um, I've done podcasts, uh, the best podcast episode to understand, you know, really the advanced subconscious work that I do both in my own personal life and with my clients and others um, and teach is called uh, the flesh method, advanced inner child work. So go listen to that up so that you can dive deeper into that piece of what I'm talking about. So anyway, so now that I was like, okay, well, I don't need that identity anymore. I can release it. So I use my tools and one of my tools is throw it into the fire and let it burn away and let it die. But I also did something that new this morning, which is that I also celebrated and honored it and thanked it, that identity of being sick for not only, this was just one thing that it's been attached to. There's a couple other ones I'll talk about in a second, but it, I honored it. I, I thanked it for keeping me, keeping me safe and it has kept me safe and it's kept me out of trouble and it's kept me out of jail. So it served its purpose. However, it no longer serves me. And so I allowed it to grieve. I allowed myself to have some feelings about the death of that identity. Because I think often when we start doing this, you know, deep aware self-awareness work and we find things that don't really aren't working for us anymore, we just want to purge it. We just want to get her done, get it over with, we're done with that, move on. And it's true, we can release it and move on. But until I, what I found, until we, it was quite beautiful when I gave myself the space to grieve the identity of being sick and all that, if I'm no longer sick, what are those possibilities? But it doesn't matter what those possibilities are yet. I need to grieve the loss of it first. Okay, so it's kind of like we often want to get to the happy la 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 space without the ugly cry and the anger and all the other unpleasant feelings that we as humans need to have and if we suppress those feelings they just show up in other ways <laughs> so i did some crying i did a lovely little ceremony like a little funeral memorial honoring that identity thanking it for keeping me safe and then i let it die and go on and off it burned it in the fire and off it went and it transformed into some beautiful beautiful fireflies that have lots of possibilities attached to them as they fly away in the beauty okay now that sounds easy <laughs> but it's not and it, you know, it took like an hour and a half of me like being in my meditative state to like do all that. Okay. Now, one of the things was the sex. The other piece of being sick, and I've 
this isn't the first time that it's been presented to me, but you know, while we were clearing all of it, we might as well clear all of it. So the second piece that came up for me was, and my identity to being sick, what that does for me is it allows people to love me. And you're like, what? How does that, how does that, how do those two things go hand in hand? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> All right. So growing up, I only got nurtured and pretty much an expression of like nurturing love, like overt nurturing love when I wasn't feeling well and when I was sick. And there's two reasons behind that. One, my mother had lots of issues. <laughs> And lots of trauma that she hadn't healed. So, you know, there's that part of it. The second part was that, um, and it started both at, with my mom and it's, and throughout my life, it's been the secondary part of being loved and accepted is that I tend to, people tend to be envious and jealous of me very easily. And that's always been the case. Um, I've been very blessed to have a lot of wonderful traits, beautiful, charming, articulate, smart, uh, brilliant. And, you know, this isn't me bragging. These are truths. Okay. Um, and this is how, these are the feedback that I've gotten over the years and people who have been the closest to me, um, friends, lovers, partners, parents, um, who you would hope would celebrate these are things that make you very lovable right these are all traits that are wonderful um and you know i tend to be very good at when i do things i tend to do them well and as a kid i was also very physically uh, active so i played a lot of sports and i was usually you know the star of the team and and so what happened was every time I like really shine in the world in my year, earlier years and all the way up, to be honest, until I would say the last, I would say five years, not even like the, really the last two years, I've kicked everybody out of my life that doesn't love me as, as being shiny and at my beauty and my fullness not at my weakness or vulnerable space of being sick physically sick and incapable of doing things and um so it's only really been the last two years that i've only my inner circle of people um celebrate my wins and love me as i fabulous when i'm the most fabulous they they love me just as much okay so that envy and that jealousy that is both been overt and very covert has really imprinted that you're too fabulous so if you're too fabulous people get threatened by you and and so because of that one of the things that make me not fabulous one of the few things that make me not fabulous is being sick and being sick and being unhealthy has all these limitations. And so all of a sudden now, the people that secretly or overtly 
have been jealous and envious of how fabulous my life is and and you know and like I said like I this morning I did three hours of meditation and then I worked out for 90 minutes there's a lot of work behind the scenes that go into creating the fabulous life that I lead and that fabulous life didn't come easily um I worked for it I but see that doesn't matter so what happens is that jealousy and envy and how that plays itself out is that they, you know, are really drawn to me and they love being in the sphere of me. It's, it's a wonderful place to be <laughs> of joy and happiness and sexiness and, you know, insight and laughter and, you know, all, all these beautiful things. But then there's a something that happens internally for people that feel less than their whatever their whatever people's fears their insecurities their feeling not good enough whatever that is people you know as human beings we have those spaces and if we're not aware of those spaces and we don't work on those spaces and we don't own those spaces this is usually how it plays itself out is that we're drawn to people that we secretly also hate <laughs> we have envy for okay and so I've been on the receiving end of that a lot. And so what I learned is that if I'm sick and broken, then people don't have to be so jealous or so envious of me and they stay around in my life longer um, before the inevitable ends up happening. <laughs> Which I'm like, hey, you're not really going rah-rah yay you, your life's going great, blah, blah, blah. You're like now, ooh, must be nice and saying shit like that. So that also supported my identity of being, so that's where being loved and accepted, I needed to be sick. I need to have a flaw. There's like, I needed to have these flaws. And one of them and the identity of being sick was a great flaw. So no matter how much I've healed, no matter how much I've done, no matter how much I changed my lifestyle, all the things, with that identity of being sick, holding into one, keeping me safe. These are, this is what the identity was created for. So one, to keep me safe from going sexually free and going off the rails. Girls gone wild. <laughs> Ending up in jail, whatever. The fear of those things. Two, I'm only loved. I'm not only fully loved and accepted if I'm sick. So there's a flaw. So people can love and accept me. So those are two pretty big payoffs for, for the identity of being sick. So I lovingly invite you. This It might be like, oh, this is kind of fascinating. What identities do you have? And what one are, is not really serving you anymore? You know, what one can you start this process of kind of like, oh, why do I keep it? It doesn't serve me. Like, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be the person that's sick. I don't want everybody to know, think that I'm the person that's being sick. But my identity is like, yeah, we need to be sick. It's not serving me anymore. So what is not, what is identity is not serving you anymore? This is my invitation to you. And it may just start with your curiosity, all right? So if you're stressed out all the time, 
Is being stressed part of your identity? If you happen to be angry all the time, is part of your identity being angry? Um, if you're like the fun guy or the, you know, we all have these identities that we move in the world with. And there's a reason for it. Some of them are true. Some of them uh, represent who we are still today. Um, but here's the thing. Even good identities prevent us from allowing ourselves to be true to who we are. So I want to explore, I want to share with you another identity that I had years ago and how it was limiting me from being fully who I want, who I am. So the identity that I had when I was young was I was the life of the party and an exhibit or not an exhibitionist. Well, I am an exhibitionist, but that's another conversation. <laughs> an extrovert. <laughs> and the truth is, I actually am not an extrovert. I am an introvert. And you're like, what? No way. It's true. I learned, I have extrovert tendencies. <laughs> I learned really early on as part of my feeling safe in the world that it was part of keeping me safe was being the one that controlled the narrative in a room and being an extrovert and being the life of the party and facilitating, which is, you know, these are great skills that help me in my job and help me do what I do and makes me a great teacher. And those, those are all wonderful skills that I learned, but I learned because I needed to feel safe. It's not my true, I am not, I am not rejuvenated when I spend time with people. I'm rejuvenated when I spend time with nature. I'm rejuvenated when I spend time with myself. I'm rejuvenated when I spend time with you know animals, but I am not rejuvenated when I spend time with people. Now, I like people, I'm good with people, but it's not what rejuvenates me, right? An extrovert is somebody who when they spend time with other people, it activates their energy. They get more energy. They're, they, they're, they're, you know, more vibrant when they're around people. For me, it's more of a drain um, for lots of different reasons. I'm energetically sensitive. I'm an empath. I pick everybody's emotions up. Like, it's a lot of work. When I'm with people, it's a lot of work. I tend to want choose less group activities and more one-on-one -on -one activities, which is a little less, but I still, once I've had people time, I need to go be by myself. I need to go be in, in nature. But for so long in my you know, youth and in my 20s, um, I was, that's what I needed to be. And my identity was that. And so I would be, I would end up in at group settings and parties and these kinds of things. And I put myself in those situations because that's what I, that's who I am. Like, she's the life of the party. She's entertaining, you know? She's like, I've arrived and let's, let's get this thing, let's get this party started. That was my identity that I thought. 
I would say I didn't really, it put me in a lot of uncomfortable situations that I didn't really like that was super stressful. I had to do a lot of stuff to like self manage. I had a lot of anxiety that, you know, I suppressed that I had no idea about. Um, There's all these things I had no idea. So as I like started to, you know, have very controlled life of the party, education, workshops, teaching, facilitating, speaking, all these things where I was like, okay, I was like here, I was life of the party. I was charismatic. I did all the things. And and then I started to notice like from a work perspective. And then I started to notice on a personal level that, you know, people are like, Hey, let's go out. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> you want to come over for tea instead? <laughs> but I felt bad. You know, I felt like there was something wrong with me. And, and it, for many, many years, being attached to the identity of being an extrovert and being everybody assuming I was an extrovert and I assumed I was an extrovert that it prevented me from being true to who I am. And then once I allowed myself to, oh, wait, actually, I'm not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. And just because I can fake it really well, <laughs> and I have doses of which I enjoy, you know, the, the energy that goes into being the life of the party, the center of the, the attention and all those things for short stunts, but, I can drop into that and then come out. And so I've created a life that supports that. I have friends that I spend one-on-one -on -one time with. Um, and when I'm in lots of, you know, with lots of people or whatever, it tends to be work related. And so that's really good. And I make sure I do lots of self-care, self-care before, uh, lots of, you know, reclusive behavior afterwards. And that's what I need for me to be balanced. So those are just kind of two, even the, even the really positive ones. And another identity uh, that, you know, I was always, I was always the peppy one. You know, um, I always see the glass is half full. Um, I'm always happy. Like these, these identities, and there's a lot of truth that yes, I tend to see the glass is half full and I tend to be, tend to be more peppy. Um, but what that does is that it doesn't, it didn't allow me to just be. Sometimes I'm crabby. Sometimes I'm bitchy. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I don't have high energy. Sometimes I'm just like, eh. But I couldn't allow myself to be any of those things because my identity I perceived was I was happy. I was the blah, blah, blah. The people who I had in my life were trained. I basically trained them to believe that that was the case. And so if I was just even quiet, people were like, what's wrong? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just not really peppy. <laughs> I don't really got anything to say. Kind of zen at the moment, actually. People are like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm good. Are you sure you're good? So that identity has for many years prevented me from a, and, a, and prevented the people in my life from really getting to know me and me having to put on a show, which then in essence prevents me from wanting to spend time with people because it's too much work.
So instead, letting go of the identity of me being all of those things, I am those things and I'm more. I got lots of other things. And allowing myself permission to just be down or quiet or still, or, which sometimes, and, and I spend a lot of time learning how to be quiet and still and not be chaos. And it's been beautiful. I get that's who I get to be who I truly am. And the people in my life closest to me get to see all of who I am. And the people who are closest to me love me for who I am in all the things. The happy, the go the introvert, the extrovert, the sexy, the slutty, the joyful, the grumpy, <laughs> the bitchy, the hangry. <laughs> irritable, all the things that I also have. Sometimes I'm even judgy. Of course, in, in judgment zones that are safe to be in. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the non-judgmental space for work. <laughs> so again, so yeah, so there's your invitation. There's my invitation to you. There's a lot of freedom by allowing ourselves to detach from our identities, allow those identities to die that no longer serve us, to create space and freedom for who knows, but freedom that could be whatever you are, not what you're supposed to be. So I'm excited. I'll give you a, we'll do an update six months from now, after we've had the, you know, when I've had some time to, you know, let go of that identity and and allow all that support that all that supported that identity. Who do I become? Who do I become not being sick? Do I become more sexually liberated and free? I'm 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 begging on that. <laughs> do I become a rock climber I don't know if I'm not sick all the time maybe I'm strong enough that I can do I become do you know am I a hang glider what you know what what do I start you know like going on crazy adventures knowing me probably um you know what does that free up for me I'm excited are you excited I'm excited <laughs> so, all the possibilities I might be able to eat at a restaurant. Ooh, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> so, there's lots of possibilities. And before this morning, there were, none of those possibilities could ever come true because I needed to be sick and wounded in that sickness. Broken. So, so what I want to leave you with is what identity, pick one. Don't We all have lots of them. Just pick one and start to do some questioning. Ask yourself some questions. Is this, is this who I am? Why do I need to be this? What if I wasn't? The big question is, if you're attached to an identity is, what if I wasn't this? Whatever the identity is. And internally, you'll be like, no. That's a good sign that there's an attachment that's interfering in you being who you really truly are or truly want to be or desire to be. Um, when you say, if I wasn't this, is that okay? And your subconscious will let you know real quick. <laughs> no, that's a negative. Do not, do not change that identity. Identity 
is here for our survival. You will very get a pretty clear message when you start pro probing and poking around. So I lovingly invite you at that moment to be like, oh, wow, I'm really attached to this identity. It's preventing me from what possibilities. The second question I want you to ask yourself is, well, okay, so what is this keeping, how is this keeping me safe? This identity. Why do we need this identity? What does that identity mean to us? And write them down with, again, not without judgment, just write them down in observation and then start to look at, do I want to heal this? Do I want to release this? Is this serving me? Is it interfering in my life? Like, you know, sometimes we can, sometimes awareness is the, the only thing you need to do with stuff. And sometimes it's shit that's really fucking with your life <laughs> and that you might want to go deeper with. If it's shit that's fucking with your life, then I highly recommend reaching out uh, to me and we can have a little chat. Um, and, you know, I most likely, depending on what the topic is, I may pass you on to uh, Mistress Dana, uh, who also does this work, um, or some others that I have on my team. Um, as, you know, my life typically more is become more about, um, well, sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if your identity is attached up, I'll probably uh, then, then we'll probably, otherwise I'll, I I got I got people I got people that I trust that I can pass you along if we're not a good fit. Okay, but first stage, if you're at well, I got some shit that's really fucking on my life, then reach out. You can find me at GaiaMorissette.com, and for all of your other adventure needs. <laughs> Find me at empressgaia.com. Uh, also, uh, due to the fact that uh, YouTube has really done some major censorship of me for very random things, um, I've moved my videos out of YouTube. And so if anybody's like wanting, missing watching me and my facial expressions and where I happen to be today, I'm just in my office. Um, but you know, sometimes I'm in the dungeon. And if you want to see all that stuff, then uh, I lovingly invite you to come hang out at FetLife. But if you have any trauma, I'm going to warn you in advance here. If you have trauma, don't go visit me on FetLife. <laughs> Just enjoy. Just enjoy the audio of this conversation. <laughs> right. uh, FetLife is basically... Facebook for kinky people and it has a lot of adult content and kinks and things that if you have any trauma that you have not healed, uh, Fet Life may be a, a huge trigger space. So I wouldn't go there. But for everybody who doesn't have any particular trauma, Fet Life might be a new adventure for you as well of uh, exploration. So uh, I'm Empress Ga I'm Empress Dash Gaia on fat life. All right. Till next time, stay curious, stay open. And of course, I'm going to say stay horny. Bye-bye. <laughs> hmm. Well, I hope today's episode inspired you, encouraged you, and of course, made you feel tingly inside. <laughs> 
I just want to take a moment to tell you how much I appreciate the time that you spend and how I really deeply appreciate you listening. I do it for you guys, the audience, and I love and adore you guys. So quick loving reminder, I am not available for naked pictures, getting married, having sex, or having anybody's babies. And when you want to spend more time with me in a professional capacity as your coach, your teacher, your educator, your facilitator, um, you can reach me at GaiaMorissette.com. That's the gateway to all things Gaia. I also lovingly invite you to follow me on Instagram, which the handle is My Orgasmic Life Podcast, where you can leave feedback and comments. Also, come join me on Facebook at My Orgasmic Life Podcast Facebook group. And I really want to hear from you. I want to know how this show affected you. Did you what did you learn? Was it inspirational? Did you agree? Do you disagree? Um, you know, I want I want to know because I'm a little bit of a voyeur. So I want to know what how am I affecting you? <laughs> so please, please, please come leave some comments. Now, if you're like but I don't want everybody to know what I'm thinking, which is okay. Sometimes we need privacy and we need to be anonymous. So you would like that option? We have that. Okay, listeners, until next time, may your life be filled with sexy exploration and orgasmic pleasure. Bye-bye.